Hello everyone and welcome back to, I think this is the fourth episode of Film Frenzy. Uh, today, as you can tell in this box above me right here, we've got Magnus with us today. Uh, Magnus is, I'm going to go and say like a resident film guru. Magnus does loads of great reviews for us uh, for the for the film side of things. And Well, we brought Magnus on this episode and potentially for the future as well because Magnus had the chance to see Dune Part 2, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, of course, Alex is here again, up above me over here now. Um, as always. As always. Looks absolutely <laughs> thrilled to be here right now. Uh, uh, but yeah, let's dive in then. Mag, tell us about Dune. Was it any good? I think you muted. You muted. Can you hear me now? Yes. There we go. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Do you want to do, do you need to do that entire intro again? I'm so sorry. Nah, we'll, they'll fix it was it. great. They'll fix it, was, it, it was just it was just so like perfectly accentuated. I, I wouldn't want to make you do a around two of that. The beauty no. of this show is that it's a complete train wreck from minute one and we just lean into it, you know. That's how yeah. we do these things, you know. That's, right, that's, that's casual great, yeah. and formal. That's you know? that's <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's game rights in a nutshell. We very much run before we can walk. I, I love that. Okay. Uh, yes, I went to see Dune, uh, part two on a press screening. And uh, as we record this, I think the review is live in the majority of game actor countries. So I guess it's fair to say that, yes, it's, it's very good. Um, I think most of us kind of thought that it would be, uh, given the nature or the nature of the... Uh, Sort of the, the the general critical con and fan consensus surrounding the first film, yeah. and this is just very much a continuation of those sort of central themes. So I think in in that particular regard, it was one of those safer bets for twenty twenty four. Even though that obviously there is this tendency for, at least in some cases, for second films of trilogies mm. to be sort of the meandering. Um, uh, slightly boring, ill-paced, sort of ugly middle child. This is very much not that. And un it, what's unclear currently is whether or not this is actually the middle chapter of a trilogy or whether or not we should just look at it as the conclusion of the adaptation of the first central book. Mm. Um, but I think judged, like, just completely sort of s surface level, yes, it's very good. Yes, it's amazing to look at. It sounds fantastic. It's very well acted and put together. And furthermore, I think it solidifies itself as one of those big cinema experiences that you really ought to go and experience, pay for, like pay for your full ticket, support mm -hmm. um, awesome big blockbuster cinema like this. So I think it very much deserves to be in that sort of array of these cinema behemoths, mm. so Oppenheimer, um, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Top Gun Maverick, very much those sorts of things, which, yeah, some sort of cinema save, saviors, if you will. I think that that's very much what this is supposed to be and what it very much is. So in that particular regard, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a very good time, and I, I, I uh, I would implore everyone to go see it as well and, and, and support this kind of filmmaking. Yeah. I think as well, you know, we talk about the it being a potential trilogy. I think it all comes down to money talks at the end of the day, doesn't it? Like, right, if, yeah. if, if the film does really well, regardless of whether Denis 
uh, Villeneuve will want to come back or not. I think there'll be more films right. in the in the franchise because that's just how production companies work, isn't it? But... Yeah. Well, the thing is, he could he he could potentially because Dune Messiah is is very much regarded as as one. It's part mm. of Paul's story, so so you could. It is also sort of critically considered to be a good book, mm. and it is a good book. It's before even Frank Herbert was considered a literary genius, which he is just on on the back of, of those two three books. Mm. Um, he kind of goes off the rails, even at the end of his own sort of <laughs> tenure as the the the, the Dune man. So, uh, if you if, like the, the the first Dune book was at least until now considered to be unadaptable because mm. it's just too much of a allegorical, weird sort of be, be, behind the scenes look at completely sort of scrambled notes before mm. they're being like, bundled together into a single sort of red threaded story, but. It goes completely off the rails in like three or four. And then, of course, we come to the controversial topic of his son mm. just humping out Dune books yeah. after Frank Herbert died, which is yeah. it is either considered or not considered part of the canon, if you will, depending on your loyalty to Frank himself. So mm. he could, they could do Messiah. Apparently, he's done the script for like the script outline for Messiah. But as you said, I think I looked it up, and I think part two costs like two hundred million dollars to to produce, which is a that's a that's a that's a high amount of money these days to be thrown around when nothing is pretty much safe to to, to get that back. So whether or not it makes make makes that back, I think that's that's very much like I don't I simply don't know. Yeah, it's a difficult one to say because there has been some really good films, particularly in twenty twenty three that didn't really right, achieve yeah. well in, in, in the box office. Like I still look back at Dungeons and Dragons and I look at that film. Such a shame. It was, it was a shame because it was a really good film. And I, I feel like um, not enough people gave it the time of day that it deserved because it was uh, probably one of the more fun films that we got last year. But looking back at... After Baldur's Gate, I think it does yeah, way, more, way more numbers. Yeah, prob- that's a very good yeah, point. And, and also... I just I just brought up debt reckoning as well. Even fucking Mission Impossible mm. was yeah. unable yeah. to sort of like it made, it made a lot of money, but it also I think really like sort of summarizes how much money these movies are uh, yeah. need to make in order to be considered financially viable and successful. And when even like the top of fra- like really solid franchise filmmaking can't do that, mm. I just don't know where that leaves. Like, did you guys see the rumor? Of uh, with the joke, the the, the Joker movie. Apparently yeah. that has a budget of two hundred million as well. How the fuck yeah. is yeah. it supposed to do two hundred? Like uh, th- then it not only is like one billion like really good news. It now fucking needs to make yeah. one yeah. billion yeah. in order to even like be like that's just so stupid. But I I don't understand how they managed to spend so much money. Like the one that gets me is whenever you you see Laundry. a story about. <laughs> Yeah, but no, the, the one that always gets me is um, it's with like Gladiator, and you see that it was supposed to have like a, a, a budget yeah. of about 150 million, and it went up to like 310 or something, and it only it took 49 days. days. Yeah. yeah, like but Ridley Scott can't... must have been an absolute <laughs> madman on set. He must have just been like blowing yeah. cash. Yeah. I want more monkeys, more tigers, give, give me, me everything. More <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand how it possibly happens. Like... They they list up these like in the, in the I think the original Hollywood Reporter piece it was kind of like oh well but it does have like this really like star-studded past and then they say Denzel Washington Connie Nielsen yeah. and 
well that's it yeah. <laughs> those two so they they had to like they demanded like 50 mil each yeah. to show up on set they kind of have to right yeah. because otherwise i've no idea how you managed to vote through all that money so quickly 49 days for 310 mil it's, it's, it's great money. it's great i'm sure it's great <laughs> But no, it, it does beg a question as to all how the... these big action films are going to stay afloat. Like, Dune, I, I seem to remember that the first Dune only managed to generate like $400 million at the global box office or something. Well, well it was at the height of the of the uh, the, the COVID-19 era. So mm. it's, we, it's one of those things where it's really hard to sort of pin down yeah. how successful it was. But yeah, I'm looking at it right now, 434 uh, million. But the point is that that was made for $165 million. So why? I know that cast members always, like the, the, the production projects always rise. They kind of have mm. to because returning as part of the core cast always demands a, a salary increase. It's kind of the, the way of the, of the business. But at the same time, it just seems like it, even though that it's part of the COVID-19 thing, it just seems like that there isn't sort of a firm set of like solid evidence that this can bring home the billion mm, or the 1.2 yeah. billion, and that it can be part of that. And Villeneuve has been here before because, like, Blade Runner 2049 was supposed to be a freaking, like, slam dunk, mm. instant hint with the critics, and part of a really established long term franchise which people have been clamoring for for decades. It comes out and it just loses money by the fucking ton mm. because that's what that's that's the space that Villeneuve has always operated in because he is a mainstream director, but also not quite. He's just a tad bit too art house to make a billion dollars. He just doesn't really do that. So it just, it it seems like a really unwise decision to keep increasing the budgets of his films. So for instance, Blade Runner 2049, I think was made for like 180 or so million dollars and it brought in less than half a billion. Mm. So it was considered a massive disappointment by way of, I can't remember what, the, the Sony, Warner Brothers, can't remember. point is that it, I have no, I've no idea. But I, I do know that at least from my sort of, uh, uh, my sort of immediate circle of friends, the people outside of our sphere, they know it's coming and mm. they're excited by it. Yeah. Whether or not they show up in cinemas, it's this kind of a whole other thing, right? Yeah, it is. And I, I think, as you say about him being a sort of art house a bit director, I, I remember going to watch Blade Runner 2049 at cinemas. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been, it was like seven, eight years ago or something at this point, so I would have been much younger. But I went with a couple of friends and uh, one of them fell asleep watching the film, which I thought was like a prime <laughs> example of what the film was like, right? You know, there's some people that are watching it like in gross, like, whoa, this is yeah. amazing. And the other half are just I, like, what am I watching? This is so boring. So, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting cool. dynamic, but well, I think this Doom Part 2 does seem to fit that window, doesn't it, where it's it's got the potential to thrive because it's it's kind of established now being a sequel. And yeah. you hope that people Maybe, are going to flock yeah, to yeah. it with that regard. But, um, but no, it does seem to have... Um, it, a tough future ahead of it to, and, to, to, to make it proper. Yeah, and it's also, I will say that uh, the one thing it also has going for it is that uh, Dune Part 1 was always supposed to be, that. that's just the way the book works. And I read the book twice mm. and I like it. But I also, it's a very difficult barrier to entry because the first part of Dune really is just elaborate setup. Mm. And it's, 
so what happens at the end of the first uh, uh, Dune movie, essentially, where the, the Harkonnens sort of plant the knife uh, in the Atreides clan's back, that kind of sets off the events that means that the, the book can ride high, uh, even like towards sort of the, the second and the third act. And that's very much what this is. This is very sort of high octane filmmaking in a different way to part one. So maybe, well, heavy emphasis on maybe, this has a better chance of sort of appealing to the wider movie going audience because it is, I would say that it's a more, it is still a very heady, advanced, um, sort of deeply spiritual sci fi epos, mm. but it's also a guerrilla war movie mm. like it's very much a war movie in in in, in 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 more ways than one so but whether or not that, that helps and whether or not i just i it's a it's a really good question whether or not it's the kind of movie that makes 400 million and it's considered to be a massive disappointment which will completely shut down plans i think for doing messiah yeah um but it, it's it, it's it's up in the air currently it, it we're supposed to get the first numbers over the weekend aren't we yeah, 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 it out comes out. The as, first as of March. Yeah, yeah, so a couple of days' time. Um, I need to book my tickets, actually. I need to book, but I want to go see it in IMAX. I want to see, like, the sandworm coming out, like, you know, when in the oh, yeah. early 1900s when people were running away from the locomotive train. Yeah. I want to be like that when the sandworm's <laughs> coming at me in the screen, you know. There, you're going to get there a, are, a, there a, are a very good sandworm. There are good sandworm scenes in the movie. <laughs> there are many sandworm scenes in the movie. Yeah. And... The the thumping Hans Zimmer drums are very sort of omnipresent yeah. throughout the entire runtime. So you're going to have to go IMAX. I'm, just, yeah. I'm afraid yeah. so. Definitely. All right, I'm hijacking the conversation. Rafa, oh, got right. the big hijack symbol. Oh, yeah. Sirens, here we go. It wouldn't be a film frenzy episode if I didn't hijack the conversation to talk about dad TV, which is exactly Something what we're doing right related. now. Well, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's Good. somewhat Good. related to Yellowstone because it's... Uh, got kevin cosner involved essentially yesterday as we're recording this video the trailer for horizon and american saga chapter one landed <laughs> the greatest film now, of all time yeah well this is well well we'll see about that the interesting thing about mm. this is that this is the basically the film that sparked or the the series that sparked all the yellowstone drama because kevin cosner couldn't do yellowstone while also doing this film series he's been working on now you can kind of understand why it seems to be a very big film. And not only is there four parts planned, so far there's going to be two chapters this year alone within six weeks of each other. So we're talking about Dune, you know, potentially being a success with the three-year break between the two films. Kevin Costner is so proud and so confident in his work that he's going to get two art housey Western films out within six weeks of each other that seemingly have, like, an enormous budget as well, which he's yeah. directing and is, he's partly funded as well. So... Um, uh, it's lovely. I, yeah, I, I don't I, have a lot of positive things to say about this film so far. I'll be honest; it looks um, very meh. Do we have like? Is there any precedence for this for movie for for a sequel to come out? Because we've seen productions back to back before. That's mm. that's not a new thing. But productions back to back to then release them six weeks apart. Yeah. I mean. If one does really well, I, I I think it's too quickly for it to yeah. spill over yeah. into the other one. Well, the only thing I, I mean, can think of is Rebel Moon, the Zack Snyder thing, because they're doing part two <laughs> of that this year, and yeah. that's not exactly the yeah. best example to set. Yeah. Um, cause even I that had that even for five months. Yeah, well, that's that's not even yeah. happened yet, and it yeah. came first part came out, 
I think it's the second part in April. Yeah. So that's four months. Kevin Costner, <laughs> half that. <laughs> and also, I will say that while there are there are cases of westerns doing really well. It's not the sort of the broadest appealing movie genre, particularly now. Sort of, there are mm. outliers. Certainly, both Django and Hateful Eight did very well, but those are Tarantino films, and yeah. it's a different kind of thing. He, ha- mm. he has his own thing going, but like for, for people, it seems that it's getting harder and harder for expensive movies to make their expensive budgets back. Mm. So, who in June is going to say, "I know this month's trip to the cinema"? Is going to see <laughs> Horizon and American Saga, <laughs> or in particularly late summer. No, this month's movie is Horizon and American Saga, chapter fucking two. Surprise! I'm reading the comments on this. There's, there's loads of people that love this. Three minutes of pure, really? unadulterated chills in capitals. Welcome back, cinema. Oh my. Kevin Cosner is to westerns what Martin Scorsese is to mafia films. Oh wow! Get much better. Wow! Uh, Jesus Christ! Feels like the good old days. Of good and that's movies. because of like that, that. That's because of like what Dancing with Wolves and and those kind of stuff. Because he sort of has his feet planted yeah, in that yeah, genre. So. I, I find it baffling yeah, because, because when I when I watch the trailer, it doesn't come across to me like something like Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone to me is that sort of crime dramery sort of thing. You know, it's very it's right. very mafia esque in a way, right? It's a big rich family that are sort of controlling everything. But like you look at this and it just seems completely different. It just seems to me like I was saying to Alex a moment ago, it seems like set pieces and ambience, and it wants you to sort of really pre- a bit like Denis Villeneuve's films, right? Where it wants you to appreciate. <laughs> What it is beyond being just a typical sort of action film or western film in this right. society. Well, chapters, Ben. I know. They can't just I know. Burn I... The whole thing in chapter two. <laughs> I know, but they've like... <laughs> got, yeah, got, got four of these. To, got four of these to make. Then, you were saying earlier, like surely it's going to be big in like the west in the American South or something. I'm thinking like there's think no so. way. There's no way like a redneck is going to go to the cinema and sit through three hours of Kevin Cosner. Western. Well, they films. won't know that it's that though. Going in, they see an American saga. That's it. That's enough to buy the ticket. You see the flag. You see Kevin Cosner. You see a bunch of like white people, maybe some Native Americans. People like I'm in. That's that's the that's what I think is a lot of like um, like rural American moviegoers, at least in my mind, is it doesn't take much to sell the ticket. It just takes a lot to sell the second ticket. I think. Do you think and... at the end of this first film we're going to get one of those end credit things that says Kevin Cosner will return? The KCU or whatever, yeah. Kevin Cosner universe. But apparently, I mean, it seems like that it's it. it this is something that that some sort of uh, uh, like little Hollywood group is doing. Did mm. you, I went down the the bit like the really stupid rabbit hole. Of seeing, uh, of, of sort of reading up on what Gina Carano has been up to ever since she was fired from uh, from The Mandalorian, which that he, she was so sick of COVID nineteen guidelines that they wanted to make a a western out in the middle of nowhere for almost no money, which she fronted herself, where they didn't have any COVID nineteen guidelines at all. And it seems like when when these people when these sort of semi sort of a bit sort of semi republicans like they're so sick of hollywood they're, they're so sick of like feeling persecuted they go and make westerns yeah. and they yeah. fund them themselves <laughs> so, so i don't thing, know i have no idea why they... yeah 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just why westerns? It's because all of them, they, like, they grab onto that, you know, uh, 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 you know, the the great American mm. era. They all mm. fucking love that mm. shit. They love it the way that they, you know, the, the the American frontier of conquering the land and being honest and hardworking. It's like mm. it's it's their bread and butter, really. So it's just uh, we 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 keep hearing reports that Costner is hard to work with. And for him to go out and make an own, his own western in the desert just seems to not not directly confirm it. But I'll be like, yeah, that, that's something he might do. Just feels I, I... like he's just going to keep pouring more money into this. Mm. You know, like Francis Ford Coppola for his like, Megalopolis. I swear mm. he had to sell like five vineyards oh, yeah. to make that. Mm. And I just like the headlines oh, yeah. of Kevin Costner yeah. selling off his ranches in Montana or whatever is going to be... <laughs> I can't wait yeah, to hear the oh, full yeah, budget yeah. for that film. I, I not Megalopolis, um, Horizon. I, I want to know how much it's going to cost Warner Brothers to make four parts of this film, and how much yeah. money's coming out of Kevin Costner's pocket because it can't be cheap. They've got well, like a pretty stacked cast. Four billion dollar oh, movies. <laughs> 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 well who knows maybe like alex just completely mentioned off the cuff a couple of minutes ago the kcu but just like <laughs> just lend yourself to a world for just a brief moment to a world where that actually fucking happens <laughs> yeah. where we are going to be 15 horizon movies down the line with more sort of more ambience and more sort of a, a desert shots, all filmed in 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 the in the south and in Montana and the Midwest, fifteen chapters where there's like this big multiverse Kevin Costner thing. Right? I can't wait for it. I mean, that's I'm just sold. Yeah, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it flop. I can't either. I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, I'm going to buy enough tickets to make it float. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, please. I'm going to keep it alive. Please. And also, yeah, and also let's let's not forget that the main supporting role is Sam Worthington, who yes. is still to this day, in my mind, it, the the biggest conundrum ever to walk oh, into. I'm not thinking about set. him. Because, yeah. I'm not thinking about him. He's insane. He's just. He's just an emotional range which is very much at the sort of the same level as a concrete wall. <laughs> people love him though. Can't get enough of him. I love him. I think he's great. Why? He's so not, Are you sure like... people love him? Are you sure about that? Are you sure people love him? Because he's an him. avatar. Sure. <laughs> no, you don't. You watched Attack, Attack of the Gods or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It the and you saw it as well yeah. as I did. Yeah. <laughs> and it was shit. And he was shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> because he always is. I'm sorry, but he is. When he's not blue, he he's got to blue for this movie. <laughs> but he, he, like, he has in the Horizon thing. Apart from Sam Worthington, obviously, mm. there is actually some, some like nice casting here and there, yeah. which is just See that, Miller's that makes it. it even more puzzling. Um, what's Michael his name? Rooker. Michael yeah, Rooker, and, Gio- yeah. Gio- yeah. and Giovanni uh, Giovanni Ribisi is mm. in it as well. Yeah. And Will Patton as well. Luke I mean, Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Hayden Church, obviously. Sandman. He's not even in the he's not even in the main cast list. I'm looking at it now from the trailer. He's not written down there. Is he in it? Who is? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, it's IMDB listen. Yeah. Is it? Mm. Well, well Anyway, look, I, I could talk about Horizon all day. I really could. I could talk about the, the KCU. KCU. And yeah. look, when it comes down to June, 
We'll talk more about it. One of us, one of us will bite the bullet and go and watch this movie and tell you if chapter one's any good and if chapter two's worth booking a ticket for. But I feel like we should get different people for each chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah. Four Jigsaw, different people. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Piece the story together. We'll talk about that in the future. Otherwise, though, we've been going for like a good twenty-four minutes. We've been talking for ages about Dune and, and the KCU. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk more about other things next week. There's a lot of big films coming out uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, so. These film frenzies are going to be coming at you fast, thick and fast. Lots of big movies to talk about, especially towards the end of March. Godzilla, Godzilla versus oh no, Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire, Ghostbusters, uh, the New Empire, Frozen Empire. 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 There's too many empires. There's too many empires. What do we do? The ECU. The ECU. We'll talk all about that in the future. We'll get to that. Otherwise, though, thank you for watching this episode of Film Frenzy. Mag, thanks for being here. Hopefully, we'll see you next week and in the future ones as well. Uh, Alex, a pleasure as always. And uh... doom to others as you would doom to yourself. Oh, I yes. hate you so much. I'm ended. I'm ended. <laughs> oh my god. I'm ended. That was just... <laughs> I'm that was ended. Awful. Oh.